thank the Lord for your emphasis in this evening. It's, it, we experienced it throughout the whole day. But especially in the evening, we want to focus on the ministry and the reality of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to turn with me now in your Bibles as we look at a number of key verses, especially from the book of Acts. I guess I've spent more time in the book of Acts than maybe any other book in the Bible. Some of you may know of my series uh, that's uh, been on television and that there's a whole bunch of CDs, a whole 12 message series on CD. Be happy to send it to you as a gift. And of course, when we look into the book of Acts, we see so much about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Even though we may know the reality of the Spirit in, in our lives, and you have experiences with the Holy Spirit, and you know something of the baptism and the gifts, there's always so much more to learn. And so I'm not going to re repeat things that I believe you've heard here many times, but try to share from the book of Acts, from the Word of God, perhaps some new insights about the Holy Spirit that I believe will be helpful in your walk with Jesus. Somebody just asked me for a title. I don't always have a title for my message, and it just popped in my head. The Holy Ghost brings a Holy Go. Somebody once said you're either evangelizing or fossilizing. There's no middle ground. And it's our prayer tonight that there'll be a work of the Holy Spirit that will impact London. That will impact London, will impact these people's groups from all over the world. There's 40 nations that have less than 1% of the witness where I live in Southeast London. Less than 1%, 40 nations. There's hundreds of people's groups these are ethnic groups with languages, with culture, that would have even less than that. And of course, we're always praying on the basis of Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plenteous, the workers are few. What did Jesus say? Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. That will send forth workers into the harvest. I'm only here because of that. I was not a Christian. My grandfather from the Netherlands was an atheist. My other grandfather was Scottish, Irish, and English blood mixed. That's basically toxic. He was an alcoholic. My grandmother divorced him. And at 16, as Chris Rea says in one of his pop songs, I was on the highway to hell, and I was enjoying it big time. Never had an unhappy day that I can remember in my life. Really doing great. Lots of different gals I was going out with. I loved dancing. I loved sports. Some of the things I did, there weren't anything wrong with. So I was doing fine when a woman of God heard about me. I'd broken into this house. I wasn't really stealing. I was just checking it out. And uh, really, the police caught me. And uh, it was a little embarrassing for my father. So people were talking about me. And this woman of prayer, this woman of God, put my name on her Holy Ghost hit list. Yeah. She not only prayed that God would save me, and she'd been praying for this high school that I was attending for 20 years. She not only prayed God would save me, but that God would send me. Send me to the ends of the earth. <laughs> Probably didn't want me around anymore. And then she sent me a gospel of John. She prayed that I would become a missionary. She didn't even discuss this with me. I had other plans for my life. I want to just warn you. If you've got somebody, maybe it's an aunt, maybe it's an uncle, maybe it's a younger, younger brother. Watch out for younger brothers. That's praying that God will send you as a missionary. You need to get that sorted out. Have a discussion. Make a compromise. Otherwise, you might want to just obey the Holy Spirit. 
I'm absolutely convinced the Holy Spirit tonight is going to put his hands on some of you. It may only be one. And he's going to send you out as a missionary, just as he sent me out when I was only 18 years of age to Mexico, not really knowing that this was one of the main birthplaces of what became one of the greatest, largest global mission programs in the world. The birth, I'm not speaking of OM, but the birth of short-term missions. And this summer, there's probably two million people. Two million people around the globe in short-term missions. And that's one of the reasons we're in the midst of the greatest harvest to the Lord Jesus the world has ever known. I thank the Lord for that lady. She sent me that gospel. At that same time, pornography tried to come into my life. It's literally one minute reading some off-color magazine. The next minute, I'm reading the gospel. And then in God's grace, he sent Billy Graham to New York City just one night, two years before that famous crusade in the 50s. And somehow a business person gave me a free seat on a bus, on a coach. I went into New York City, Madison Square Garden, 20,000 people. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd I can't remember ever having heard the gospel. Even though I was involved in a church that was sort of a social club, I'd be president of the youth fellowship. I was in the Boy Scouts. I couldn't get in the Girl Scouts. I got in the Boy Scouts. And uh, I was about to receive the God and Country Award, and I was lost. Religion can be the greatest enemy of reality in Jesus. Yes, we've seen it, and our hearts break. Somehow, a businessman gave me that trip into New York City. I, I heard that Billy Graham might be a hypnotist. So I brought my binoculars, and I sat as far away as I could. I'm watching Billy Graham, and I heard the gospel. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Billy Graham called people. Again, I'd never seen anything like that. He called people. Get out of their seats and come forward and repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus. And by his grace, I took that step of faith. And it was born from above, invaded by his Holy Spirit. And it's been, I've been cautious to say this up until my senior years. It's been a reality every single day ever since. Not in the absence of struggles and doubts and stupidity and failure. In the midst of those things, claiming God's grace, repenting, pressing on, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through this earthen vessel. One of the most important teachings of the Holy Spirit we need to constantly remind ourselves is that this treasure, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is in this earthen vessel. We often hear people praying for the Holy Spirit to come down. I don't judge that prayer. God is so merciful. You know, he just loves to see his people praying, even if they're playing, praying completely screwy things. He loves to see them praying. The Holy Spirit indwells a believer. I picked up a book by a Chinese author years ago, Watchman Nee, The Release of the Spirit, and it showed why many people are not really living a spirit-filled life, even though they've experienced some reality of the Spirit is they're unwilling to break, they're unwilling to humble themselves so the Spirit of God can be released into ministry and into evangelism. One of the things that's really helped me is this little expression. No matter how filled we are with the Holy Spirit, and I've had many powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit, we're still incredibly human. 
we make mistakes. Were any of you here a year ago when I preached? Was anybody here? You all look young and new and a number of you in the balcony. Wow, that's a long way away up there. Hello? Let me see if you remember my favorite story. Tony Campalo, thunderstorm. We almost had one today. Even the adults were nervous in, the th in this thunderstorm. The lightning was fierce. The thunder was so loud. Then they realized their little daughter was alone up in her bedroom. They ran upstairs, very concerned. They opened the door. There's the little girl looking out the window. Another flash of lightning. They said, are you okay? She said with a big smile, I'm fine. I think God is taking my picture. <laughs> Hallelujah. I had never thought of that. God taking a picture of me. I'm the kind of person gets really down on myself. And uh, really, I just, I just thank the living God for forgiveness, for grace. When I do sin, when I do fail, that he forgives me, and he picks me up. That's why I like those, those Rocky films. Have you seen any of the Rocky 1, Rocky 2 why does a Christian like those films? Because he keeps getting knocked down. And this is what's happened in my Christian life, especially in my teenage years. But he gets up, and in the end, he wins. And I believe, of course, we're already on the winning team because of the Lord Jesus. Do any of you feel that at times you have the gift of stupidity? Would I be the only one in this? You know, I've done some really stupid things in my life. You know, like walking on the railway track in Colombo, Sri Lanka, huh? On the mobile phone. Walking on the railway track. Train headed straight at me. Found out later, many, many killed on the railway track. It's a shortcut to the beach. But somehow, I was actually talking to my secretary in London. Somehow, I just decided to get off the track. To this day, I swear it must be an angel. It wasn't the sound of the train. I just got off the track within seconds. The train went by. Pure stupidity. Makes my wife really nervous. When I first came to Europe, I was gonna, I'm going to take Russia for Jesus. I'm living in Spain. I'd learned Spanish. I'm studying Russian. I developed this system of smuggling. I headed into the Soviet Union in the middle of the Cold War. I got across the border. It was a miracle. I was really praising God. Here I am, God's smuggler. And then the next day, I made a completely stupid mistake. The KGB caught me, accused me of being a, a spy. Big headlines in the, in the newspaper, American spy arrested in Rovno. Looked like an all-expenses-paid vacation in Siberia long-term. And I was humbled, I tell you. But you know, failure can be the back door to success. Don't be afraid to fail. And because of that, after more interrogation, they took me to the border submachine gun escort. I was humbled before the Lord. I went for a day of prayer. That's when God, again, anointed me with his Holy Spirit, gave me the name Operation Mobilization. Before that time, I had no interest in Western Europe, especially Great Britain. My vision was Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, hard places, closed countries, of course, the Soviet Union. But because of that failure, God could get through to me. He wanted something to happen first in Western Europe. The church was already here. It wasn't a new thing. That caused me to leave Spain after God gave me this name, Operation Mobilization, moved to London. The rest is history. 
By the next summer, 200 people were with us. By the next summer, 2,000 people were with us. And now we look back at 200,000 people working with Operation Mobilization at some time in their life. One woman prayed. One struggling Christian making mistakes somehow learned about God's grace. I picked up a book by that title. I recommend it. Failure, the back door to success. What a book. Erwin Lutzer, Moody Church, Chicago. Get a hold of it. I haven't read it myself. Just the cover touched my heart. In the fast lane, you don't have always time to read the books. You just look at the cover and see also what's on the back page. We hope these books we have today will be the exception. So I'm here because of Jesus. I'm here because of the reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm still learning, still wanting to hear his guidance for my life in these senior years. There's no retirement program for kingdom people. You may have to leave Dingle Dungle's bank. You may have to step out of some existing job. That's the way our culture is. We're seeing hundreds of thousands of people across the world move into second and third careers often serving more Jesus more than they ever did when they were younger and had to often work such long hours just to put bread on the table. God is doing amazing things. Let me just throw another concept at you. Big picture, small picture. Does that, does that ring any bell? Big picture, small picture. What small picture? For me, that's my wife, three children, five grandchildren, house, a little garden over there in West Wickham, Kent. It's part of London. It's an old Volvo that looks like it's going to die any minute. It's uh, brushing my teeth. I still hate brushing my teeth. I always did as a kid. That stuck with me. And uh, just small things. When I go to my daughter's house, what do you think? My daughter wants a great message. Dad's here. Give us a word from the Lord. No. When I go to her house, she says, Dad, the dogs have been doing it in the back garden. Do you think you could go and, and scoop up what the dogs have left there? I've been doing that for a long time. Small picture. Let me say something I think is important. Your small picture world is important. Beware of super spirituality that makes you dysfunctional in your small picture world. Now, that includes own Bible study, your own prayer life. It includes everything, maybe in your street, maybe in your town, in, in one way your church is part of your small picture world. A lot of people right now that I'm meeting, especially a lot of Americans, their small picture world's not going well. And a lot are discouraged. Surveys have shown that a lot of people are discouraged. Surveys have shown a huge percentage of pastors in America right now are discouraged. Some have taken their own lives. Many have left the ministry. Keep in mind, we're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of churches in that country. And we could talk about other countries. One of the main tactics of the enemy is to get us discouraged. If the devil can get us discouraged, we'll do other things that we would never do when we're encouraged. And I know when I've had a failure with the lust of the eyes, it's usually because of some other struggle and some other discouragement that, that disarms me. And then I'm not ready to handle that fiery dart. Praise God for his grace. Let's look at these verses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. A verse, of course, that we're all familiar with. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, if you haven't taken in this verse yet, I pray you'll take it in tonight. To think that we know the reality of the Holy Spirit and not be his witnesses, something has gone wrong. And you see that right through the book of Acts. And it's, to me, a huge struggle. That's why I embrace messiology. I talked about that this morning. Not missiology. That's a proper word. Theology of missions. Messiology is my own words, based on my own George Verwer proverb. Where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together, sooner or later, there's a mess. Any of you ever experienced that with the Lord's people anywhere in the world? Raise your hand. Am I the only one? Yeah, a lot of hands. And here's the most encouraging thing. God, in his mercy, in his sovereignty, often is working in messy situations. What about big picture? We talked about small picture. What about big picture? Big picture is look at the whole world. So you may be in a little village church that's getting smaller and quite a few churches have actually closed, and that's a bit discouraging. But if you know how to look at the big picture, you will still be dancing. Because more people are coming to Jesus than ever before in history. We should be celebrating that. That should cause us to be more positive, even if locally things are rough and tough. And I find a lot of people don't really understand what the Holy Spirit of God is doing in the world today. There is no comparison between 100 years ago and today in terms of what God is doing. And yet people here in Britain give the idea the good old days were about 100 years ago. Yeah, when we were going into that war. Or maybe you want to go back 120 years. Why don't you study that period of history? Before that war, there were so many problems in this country, it looked like there might even be a civil war. I believe with all my heart, we are living in the greatest harvest time. Even Muslims are coming to Jesus. 20 or 30,000 in Algeria alone among the Berbers. You're supporting that ministry. Thank you very much. I was just in Bangladesh. Thousands and thousands of Muslims coming to Jesus in Bangladesh. We're getting reports from different pockets of Muslim background people. There used to be six areas of the world where there were at least a thousand Muslim background believers. Now there are over 60 areas of the world. We still have a long way to go where there are, are a thousand or more Muslim background believers. Unheard of a hundred years ago. There were a hundred nations more than that a hundred years ago that had almost nothing. Yes, maybe we did have a little more here in certain ways. More people going to church. Not necessarily the best way to measure what God is doing. So I hope you'll be a small picture person and a big picture person. But back to this verse. Take this, Acts 1.8. Make it part of your thinking and your praying. But then move on. Move on to uh, that next chapter. Chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter. We know the first part of chapter 2. And you've had ministry on that many times. But look at this where it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Sometimes I feel some of God's people are spending more time fighting darkness than they are spreading the light. And if you're into that, you will get discouraged sooner or later. And I think of some of the things I've heard people say here for the last 50 years. No wonder some of them are discouraged and out of the battle. What a challenge this is to our hearts. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. One of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit is conversion. It's bringing people to Jesus. That's why in some of the countries we work in, we're able to say when we're questioned by the government, we're not proselytizing, we're sharing our faith. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings in the harvest. How many of us would like a harvest of another 3,000 people coming to Jesus? It's all tied in with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But then we get some verses that hardly anybody talks about anymore. It seems that so often we just like certain sections of the Bible, especially the blessing sections. And we now have some churches, especially in some parts of Africa, that have gone completely cuckoo with only emphasis on blessing, including wealth, including private jet planes, if you're really spiritual, and a yacht. And often some of those churches are filled with people struggling with poverty, struggling with poverty, barely feeding their families. And their leaders are living like kings. This is being exposed. Doesn't mean God isn't working. God works in all kinds of situations. And I'm actually quite defensive when, when people just write all this off in some simple black and white way. It's not that simple. And God is working in a mighty way, even in churches where they may have some false ideas, there may be some false practices. Remember what I said about messiology. I write about that, by the way, in my book, Out of the Comfort Zone, the last chapter, because there's not more time to talk about it. But just to keep that in balance, look at these next few verses. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. This is the reality of the Holy Spirit. Not the whole picture, just part of the picture. Got to read the whole book to get the whole picture. We don't have time for that this evening. Oh, this is really, really unpleasant. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold their property. What? They sold their property. And possessions and gave to everyone had need. Sounds like communism. No wonder people are against these verses. Especially in the United States, these verses are forbidden. They're forbidden. You, I've tried preaching on them. That's, that's why I live in London. Anyway, they sold their possessions and gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke their they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God, enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. This is Holy Ghost reality. This is Holy Ghost reality. Yes, there are many more realities, healings, miracles, blessings. But we've got to be willing to embrace all that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. And the Holy Spirit brings generosity. The greatest reason the whole world is not evangelized is the lack of generosity among God's people, and especially people of wealth. Surveys show especially people of wealth are not, they're not generous. There are beautiful exceptions. I've met some personally. And there's a movement. There's a movement, I wish there were time to talk about it, in which people of wealth are realizing if they love Jesus, why do they have all this money? Only one possible reason to advance the kingdom of God. They can take not even one pound sterling with them when they go. And I'd ask you, you may not have a lot of money yourself. You can still be generous. Surveys show that people with less money are more generous. I got into extreme in this area. I wouldn't spend hardly any money for anything. And when I first got married, my wife were just living on the floor. I wouldn't rent an apartment. We didn't even eat very much. She was selling all of her possessions uh, to keep going. And, and uh, <clears throat> well, the marriage went great for several weeks. And she started to express her viewpoint. And I had to uh, loosen up. And I gave her a pound and said, you, this is for you. You can spend this however you want. Things have changed now. She's in charge of all the money. I somehow press on and grab a few pounds from the book sales. But uh, I don't think this is the problem of the average Christian. A.W. Tozer was a great influence in my life. And he said, over-enthusiastic Christians is not the biggest problem in town. He said to think that there is too much enthusiasm among God's people is like sending a squadron of policemen to a nearby cemetery to guard against a major demonstration by the residents. Hello, you better read a bit of Tozer. He has a way of humbling, especially characters like me. The Holy Spirit has a wide range of ministry. And we're all pilgrims. We're all still learning of that great reality. But surely the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring a spirit of generosity. Yes, we may not be practicing exactly what they did in that particular situation, unique to what they were facing. We live this way on our ship because that's practical. These people were living this way in a certain situation. It was sensible and practical. But the generic view of this, the generosity, the willingness to give to others, that is for all time and all periods of history. I almost failed to give you verse 31 in chapter 4. Let's go on from there now. My Bible page just turned over. So the Lord must want me to move on. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Some people think, 
The main thing the Holy Spirit does is give gifts. I believe in gifts. That may even happen to someone here tonight. But that's only part. How can it be that people who have the gift of tongues never open their mouth to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ? Surveys have shown that a huge percentage of Christians are not sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Something has gone wrong. And I don't believe it's with the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it's with the living God. It's with us. The devil doesn't want us to see this powerful truth from his word that the Holy Spirit, when he's operating in our lives, gives boldness. Today I was ministered to in a powerful way as I zipped into McDonald's where I get free wireless. Didn't have any food. I just got online right out here. And there probably people from your church were giving out tracks. I wanted to give them all, you know, a box of DVDs, but they're giving out these old-fashioned tracks. And, and some got refused. And I could see it wasn't, it wasn't easy what they were doing. God will honor those people who go out into these streets I thought when you passed out these papers, weren't these papers to sign up for this Notting Hill thing? I thought all these people were saved in here. Well, you haven't given me the right orientation. I would have thought if you're saved and you love Jesus and this carnival's coming right here, every person here would want to be involved. Of course, if you're ill or if you're flying off to evangelize Mongolia next weekend or your grandmother is crying out for help because her corns are hurting, Whatever other problem you may be having, of course you're excused. Let's make this the greatest mobilization of outreach that this crazy carnival has ever known, realizing it's based, it's based on what the Word of God says so clearly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went forth and spoke the Word of God with boldness. Many of you have experienced the baptism of the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. You've experienced different anointings of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. But I believe all of us, no matter what the Lord has given us in the past, we often need to be refilled. And my invitation in a few minutes as I close is to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit as we see here in Acts 31, especially for generosity, especially for boldness and witness, and also the basic realities of the fruit of the Holy Spirit described in the book of Galatians. We have a great example now with Stephen. Let's just turn a page and look at Stephen. This is really wild. This is, have you studied this? Stephen, he gives one of the longest sermons in the book of Acts. The church was having all kinds of problems. Acts chapter 6. There were contentions, there were difficulties, and so they, they made this proposal to set aside a certain group for the ministry of the word and others for practical ministry. Pick it up at verse 5. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not optional for a few super saints, missionaries, or preachers. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. Ah, and wisdom. It's good to have that together. We will turn this responsibility over to them and they'll, we can give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now here we have a list of those men full of faith and the Holy Spirit, the next verse, and they give the names and one of them was Stephen. 
So Stephen now is supposed to be involved in practical ministry in the church, administration, serving tables, but I guess he is doing that. But soon we find Stephen in the street. So even if your main ministry isn't preaching and teaching and evangelizing in the streets, your ministry may be something else, which is very much behind the scene, which is true of my own wonderful wife. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you at times into reaching people as Stephen went into the streets, started preaching this sermon. It's a long section in the book of Acts. The response was very difficult. He called them even, verse 51, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You always resist the Holy Spirit. That's another whole Bible study. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up in heaven and saw the glory of God standing at the right hand of God. They gnashed their teeth and they stoned him to death. And as he went, he lifted his hands and worshiped God. Are you willing for that kind of Holy Spirit reality? Let's be honest, brothers and sisters. In many of our churches, and I've been all over the world, we're just playing games. We're praying, playing religious games. We love the meetings. We love the music. And so do I. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to really becoming serious about reaching the lost, about stepping out by faith as Stephen did, there are not too many volunteers. And very few in Britain today are volunteering for long-term missionary service among the unreached people. Very few. The other side of the coin is the beautiful short-term movement and being highly criticized, old books written against it, but I believe, you know, messiology, God is using it. But it's not a substitute for pioneer missionaries sent out like Hudson Taylor so many years ago in these 40 nations. They're in my website, georgeverward.com, where we hardly have anything up until this time. I beg of you to be open to the full ministry of the Holy Spirit that involves taking the gospel to every part of the world, that involves the boldness to reach out locally. I'm not saying you should be foolish or be offensive. Friendship evangelism, every, the whole the Alpha Course thing, God is just using a whole range of different ways. Don't judge another brother because they're not as sort of bold in the street as you are. Look for God's method through you to bring others to himself. Some people say, well, I'm not spiritual enough for this. I got so many problems yet in my own life, especially young men. Brother, I haven't got total victory over lust. How could God ever possibly use me? What do you mean by that total victory over lust? You mean until you're perfect in that area, you're not going to share your faith? A high percentage of missionaries around the world that God is using, surveys have shown they're battling with lust. Some of them battle with pornography. How in this day and age when it can pop out of your telephone, when it can pop out of almost anywhere, is a man going to get down the road without some failure in that area? God uses all kinds of people. I've had a number of really bad failures in that area, mainly with magazines, sometimes laying on the train table free of charge. And one time in the woods, I'm walking in the woods, and there's a pornographic magazine, a real expensive one. I've hardly ever spent any money on such things since my conversion. There it is hanging in the woods, and there were bullet holes through it. And I don't know, 
I wish I could give you my victorious life testimony. You remember when I just looked at the magazine and the power of God <coughs> destroyed it out of the woods in the name of Jesus. Mr. Victorious Christian, now I'll be invited to really speak in the big places. The fact is, I lusted myself and failed the Lord and sinned against the Lord and came out of that woods a broken person. And part of me wanted to just pack it in. How can God ever use a sexual scumbag as, as me? And boy, the devil's got a lot of language for characters like me. But somehow I knew about Jesus. I knew he loved me. I wasn't sure he was taking my picture, but I knew he loved me. And I repented, and he forgave me, and I had greater strength to battle that. Though even to this day, I have to be careful. I stay accountable. My wife knows my struggles. And I just believe the devil is trying to use this kind of perfectionism that gets into our mind to keep people from serving him. And a number of top Christian leaders have affirmed what I've been saying about this. Some of us are going to battle some of these things all of our life. We must not allow it to discourage us. We must bounce back. We must get, if necessary, help so that we can be soldiers of Jesus Christ. A man came up to me in Paris a few weeks ago, and he just confessed, I'm completely, totally enslaved to pornography. And I prayed with him. And every day he sent me an email. He hadn't fallen for a whole month. We met again in another railway station. I think the enemy is putting the heat on him again. So I'm not boasting, but I do know there is victory in Jesus. Of course, maybe this isn't your problem. We're all different. Many women are hindered from witnessing and serving because they're gripped by shyness. They were hurt in their childhood. They feel rejection. Isn't it wonderful we can be totally honest with our emotions? I'm the kind of character that cries easy. I just watched this brilliant film, The Butler, about the man that was a butler in the White House under six presidents. And I just wept when I thought of the awfulness that was going on in the United States in the days of segregation. And then some of the positive things that came out in that amazing true story. I must confess, I do weep quite easily. But my Savior wept. And I don't believe that means he was really not a man. We got a lot of cockeyed ideas about what it is to really be a man. Let's look at the man of Galilee, a man of steel and velvet. And then we'll discover what ma real manhood is already about. God bless you as you restudy the book of Acts. As you examine these scriptures. And as you ask God for a greater work of grace in your own life, to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. One day, D.L. Moody. Do you know what a secular encyclopedia said about D.L. Moody? How many have ever heard of D.L. Moody, the evangelist founded Moody Bible Institute? A secular encyclopedia said, D.L. Moody, overweight American evangelist, that should encourage some of you, overweight American evangelist who depopulated hell by two million souls. Huh? How are you doing? Moody knew the reality of the Holy Spirit. He would often talk about being filled again, which is what I'm trying to touch on right now. One day a lady asked him, Mr. Moody, why do you keep going on about being filled again and again? And he looked her in the eye. He said, Madam, because I leak. Have any of you sprung 
some serious leaks in your spiritual walk over these past weeks, get a refill. Get a refill tonight and let the Holy Spirit do a new work in your life. Let us pray. Let us pray. I believe, Acts 4.31, they prayed. The place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went forth and spoke the word of God with boldness. If God has spoken to you about the nations, about the people across the street, if God has spoken to you through some of these powerful verses, and you want to take a step of faith, and you know you can't do that in your own strength, you want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Ask and you shall receive, the Word of God says. If that's your situation, I want you to stand up right now. I want to pray for you. I want you to stand up and raise your hands in the air, or you can put them in your pockets. It doesn't matter. But I want you to stand as an outward expression of an inward transaction and ask God in your heart, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit as it was in Acts 4.31 that I might be an effective witness across the street and across the world as the Holy Spirit leads. If God has spoken to you, I want you to stand up in the balcony, down below. Some of you want more time to think about it. That's fine. The Holy Spirit's very gracious. The, very, the Holy Spirit's very sensitive. He's not wanting to put you in some kind of guilt trip straitjacket. He's wanting to minister to you. And if God has done that, I want you to stand. God bless you. God bless you, each one. The Holy Spirit will give you unlimited, unlimited fellowship. We're willing to have people who want to be prayed for just in a few moments can also come forward and people will pray with you. But let me pray for all of you first. Lord, I thank you for every person standing before you. I wasn't preparing this. I wasn't planning on this. But I sense your Holy Spirit through his word pushed us into this specific step of faith. And Lord, I ask... Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. I've had some leaky situations this way, this week, even some things, unkind things I said to my own wife, which is not an evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I turn from that and thank you for forgiveness and ask you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Also the fear, I sometimes have a fear of talking to someone as I've had so much rejection in personal evangelism. Lord, fill me afresh that I may be bolder to speak to people about your word, to give out a DVD or a book or a New Testament. Lord, do a new thing in my life. Do a new thing in this church. Do a new thing in this great city. And may all the nations of the world, may all the nations of the world feel the impact of what you're doing here. For we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's all stand. I want to pray for everyone. Lord, you know everybody here. You know those who are having particular personal struggles that are feeling really discouraged or confused. We pray, Lord Jesus, minister to them, maybe in the quiet of their own room tonight. Help them to count their blessings. Lord, help us to find that balance between small picture and big picture that we may always rejoice even when we're processing sadness as we're doing right now concerning Syria, concerning Iraq, concerning Sudan and northern Nigeria and many other parts of the world, close friends, loved ones, people that might even be dying at this time. We thank you, God, that you give us the grace to process sadness and to somehow come out still fighting, still with all the armor on to accomplish your purposes. 
Yes, Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you in your precious name. Amen. Hallelujah.